0: Heavenly Father, we thank You for who You are. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. We pray, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. We thank You, Lord, for the opportunity we have. We thank You for our brothers and sisters who have led us in worship tonight. We thank You that they have brought us to, they've brought us, uh, encouraged us to draw near and to give thanks with holy hearts and to lift up holy hands to you. We thank you for the opportunity we have together in this place. We thank you for the opportunity we have to fellowship around your word and for the Holy Spirit of God to teach us something in the middle of the week that might help us as we seek to live our lives to honor and please the Lord Jesus. So help us tonight as we look at your word and as we continue in uh, in our time in the book of Exodus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, if you have not picked up the outlines, they're here and also in the back. Good to see all of you and welcome back to the Worship Center. We're glad that you're in here. It gives us a little bit more room. And some of you won't be as cranky. You'll be a lot happier now that you get to be in here. I'm only joking. Well, partially joking. Exodus chapter number 26. We continue our walk through um, this point of looking at the tabernacle. I want to, uh, we're, all of God's Word matters, so we're going to read every word of God. We're going to read in Exodus uh, 26, and these words are important for us, dear brothers and sisters. Uh, though they seem ve- very uh, detailed, they seem to be something strange to us, let's go back and remember what we're talking about. We're talking about that glorious, wonderful experience The book of Exodus, as I've mentioned before, beginning at about uh, chapter 21, all the way through the end, uh, there are two tellings of the construction of the tabernacle. This temporary tent, this place where God's glory would dwell among God's people, Israel. So there is a history of the tabernacle, which is important for us, for Israel but there is also this beautiful picture of the tabernacle. And we're reminded that our Lord Jesus came, as John said in John chapter 1. Uh, the Lord Jesus came in flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. We saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father. So there was the time of the glory of God coming in the, temp- in the tent of meeting this tabernacle, this temporary place. And then there was the temple built. In Jerusalem, and then, praise God, there was the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in His glory to the earth. And He will, praise God, come again in glory to this earth. So, before we get into the detail of chapter 26, tonight we talk about the curtains and veils of the tabernacle. So, for the next 35, 40 minutes, we're going to talk about curtains and veils. You came to church to hear about curtains and veils. But they're very important for us to understand. They teach us some very important lessons about the glorious, holy separateness of God in Jesus Christ towards sinful men. So let's do two things. Let's read and remember what Moses has been given here. Our study is called Moses, a man who heard from God. So what did he hear from God? Well, he's now given these directions to build this tabernacle. And he gives these instructions. And I'll just read uh, chapter 25, verse 40. See see that you make... This is God speaking to Moses. uh, Exodus 25, 40. See that you make them after the pattern uh, for, for for, uh, for them which was shown to you on the mountain. And then again... If you'll look in the middle of chapter 26, we're about to read, "...then you shall erect the tabernacle according to its plan, which you have been shown in the mountain." God revealed to Moses the, the exact details, pattern, uh, building structure, all the, all the furnishings, all of the ornaments, all, of the, all that is to go into the tabernacle because it has such great importance to teach us truths about uh, the glory of the Lord uh, and His presence with us and how He wants us to approach Him in worship. The essentials of learning to worship God, my dear friends, start in an understanding of the tabernacle. As we understand the tabernacle and the reality of how Israel approached God, we learn much about what it means to approach God in worship, even as New Testament believers. So again, before we, so what is the what is the point of this? What is the building of this and the structure of this? What's it going to accomplish? Uh, some of this I'm repeating because uh, we uh, I wanted you to hear it again. If you'll go to the very last chapter of Exodus, now keep your finger in Exodus 26. Go to Exodus 40, Exodus 40, and we read. So what is the point? What happened as a result of the building and the struck and the construction of the tabernacle? Well. We read in Exodus 40, 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. That is the tabernacle. Please notice the language. And the glory, the Shekinah of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud, the glory of God, descended and settled on the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Uh, "...throughout all their journeys, wherever the cloud, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel." The children of Israel followed the glory of God on the earth. Did you hear me? The children of Israel followed the glory of God on the earth. And we, who are followers of Jesus, follow the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ every day because we confess Him as Lord and we now are His disciples. We follow our glorious Lord. What beautiful things for us. So tonight we have another glimpse and understanding of the glory of God, the majesty of God, the holiness of God. Listen, and the holy, I'm using these words carefully, the holy separateness of God from sinful man. That's why there were curtains, that's why there was a veil, and that's why there was a screen at the entrance of the holy place. By the way, only one door, only one entrance to the tabernacle. You didn't come in from every side. You didn't have multiple entrances, only one way in, only one way out. And all of these things teach us such very vital lessons about our own approach to God. I ask you tonight, are you drawing near to God? Have you today spent time and drawn near to God? Have you spent time alone with the Lord? Have you, as the Lord told us to do, have you shut the door, gone to your secret place, and have you prayed? This was the secret place of God set among the children of Israel. So we get, we get to it here. Let's uh, move ourselves back into the, we, we, we need to read these 37 verses. If you're watching us online, may the Lord bless you. We wish you were here with us, but we're glad you've joined us. And I hope you have your Bible. You can follow along with us. Now we read together Exodus chapter 26, and we'll look at then. Then I'll give you some of the details from the outline, and we'll draw some conclusions, and we'll be on our way. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twisted linen. Please notice linen, fine twisted linen, white, pure, the best of linen. Every word matters. Every word matters. Ten curtains of fine twisted linen and blue and purple and scarlet material. You shall make them with, or that is you'll embroider them with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits and the width of each curtain 4 cubits. All the curtains shall have the same measurements." Five curtains shall be joined to one another, and the other five curtains shall be joined to one another. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. And likewise, you shall make them on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in the second set. You shall make 50 loops in the one curtain, and you shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is in the second set. The loops shall be opposite each other. You shall make 50 clasps of gold and join the curtains to one another with the clasps so that the tabernacle will be a unit. Then you shall make curtains of goat hair for a tent over the tabernacle. You shall make 11 curtains in all, the length of each curtain, shall be 30 cubits and the width of each curtain four cubits. The 11 curtains shall have the same measurements. You shall join five curtains by themselves and the other six curtains by themselves. And you shall double over the sixth curtain at the front of the tent. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in the first set and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in the second set. You shall make 50 clasps of bronze and you shall put the clasps into the loops and join the tent together so that it will be a unit. The overlapping part that is left over in the curtains of the tent the half curtain that is left over shall lap over the back of the tabernacle. The cubit on one side and the cubit on the other side of what is left over in the length of The curtains of the tent shall lap over the sides of the tabernacle, one on one side and the other on the other, to cover it. You shall make a covering for the tent of ram skin dyed red and a covering of porpoise skins above. Then you shall make the boards for the tabernacle of acacia wood, standing upright. Ten cubits shall be the length of each board and one and a half cubits with the width of each board. There shall be uh, two tenons for each board fitted to one another. Thus you shall do for all the boards of the tabernacle. You shall make the boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards for the south side. You shall make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under one board for its two tenons and two sockets under another board for its two tenions. And for the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, 20 boards. There are 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another. For the rear of the tabernacle to the west, you shall make six boards. You shall make two boards for the corners of the tabernacle at the rear, they shall be double beneath, double beneath, and together they shall complete it to its top, the first ring, and thus it shall be with both of them, they shall uh, form the two corners. There shall be eight boards with their sockets of silver, sixteen sockets, two sockets under one board, two sockets under another board. Then you shall make Bars of acacia wood, five for the boards of one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards of the other, side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle, for the rear side to the west. The middle bar in the center of the boards shall pass through from end to end. You shall overlay the boards with gold and make their and make their uh, rings of gold as holders for bars, and you shall overlay the bars with gold. Then you shall erect the tabernacle according to its plan, which you have been shown in the mountain. Verse 31, You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim, embroidered with cherubim. The work of a skillful workman. You shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold. Their hooks are also are also being of gold on four sockets of silver. You shall hang up the veil under the clasps and shall bring in the ark of the testimony there within the veil and the veil shall serve for you as a partition. Please notice this language. The veil shall serve as a partition between the holy place and the Holy of Holies. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the Holy of Holies, and you shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand opposite the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and you shall put the table on the north side. You shall make a screen for the doorway of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen the work of a weaver. You shall make five pillars of acacia for the screen and overlay them with gold. Their hooks are also being of gold and you shall cast five sockets of bronze for them. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is a God of extreme detail. God is a God who looks at our lives in detail. God is a God who has His plans and purposes given in detail in the Word of God. We've read such detail here. But I remind you that there would be generations who would come who would have to erect this movable tent as Israel moved. And we know, all of us know the rest of the story. They prolonged their time in the wilderness because of their unbelief. They did not believe God and enter into the promised land according to the plan of God. They rejected the plan of God in unbelief. So they, for 40 years, broke down and erected this temporary tent, dwelling place of God. And it had to be done properly and in order. One set of priests die, another set of priests come along. There is order in the purposes and plan of God. I'm saying this tonight because if you're watching the news, you think the world is in chaos. The world is in chaos, but God's order and purposes and His will is not in chaos. His purposes are being accomplished in a clear, orderly manner, not only in your personal life, But in the world, because things are preparing for the coming of the glorious Lord Jesus again. And these things must take place. God is a God of order. God expects of us to do what He has commanded us to do. The Lord Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That means you go by the details I've given to you to live by. So why, Pastor Mike, do we spend all this time on curtains and veils? Curtains and veils. Why would God set up curtains and veils? Wouldn't He want to be with God's people? Well, of course, He finally sent the Lord Jesus Christ in the fullness of time. And He did come among us. And He He was made flesh like us. And now the Lord Jesus has ascended to heaven with a glorified body, and He understands everything you're going through, and all the fears you have, and the worries and anxieties you have, and the troubles and the pains. He understands what it is to die. He understands what it is to live. He understands what it is to be tempted. But these are the days prior to the coming of the Lord. And this is the chance for God to demonstrate to Israel after, remember, 20 generations in Egypt. That's a long time. 20 generations in Egypt. They had no idea about the glory of God. But now they've seen the glory of God. So we see from the outline these very important principles. Oh, and I must mention to you one other thing. So if you'll go back to Exodus 19, verse number 12, what we see here are these, these uh, screens, these veils, and these curtains develop for us a special place, a significant place, where God's glory was to dwell among people, of the people of Israel. Exodus 19, 12 says... First of all, the Lord said to Moses in 10, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. Now they're about to approach God. They're about to meet God and worship Him at Mount Sinai. We've been through this in detail uh, weeks ago. And let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Notice, you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch uh, or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. Uh, when, uh, when, the, when the ram's horn sounds uh, a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain." So there were barriers There were barriers given to how close sinful man, central, sinful Israel could come to the presence of God. There is a separation between every sinful man and woman born into this world and a holy God. And as we speak about so often, the Lord Jesus is the bridge to life. He is the one who bridges the gap between the two. But there is also, this is the important point, there is a holiness... There is a separate holiness, a separateness in God's holiness and His glory that no human being can comprehend or experience. This is the true separateness of our God in His glory. For us to understand the glory of God, we serve a God who is glorious in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we must understand tonight this detail. So the inner curtain, ceiling of the tabernacle is chapter 26, verse 1. This was, this was what the priests saw when they came in by the lamp that illumined the holy place. Can you imagine the beauty of this? This pure, precious linen white and all of these colors, all of these embroidered colors of the cherubim placed on the linen and that was the sky above them. They entered in the priest enters into the tabernacle, the tent. And there there is his ceiling. The ceiling is not just some uh, goat-haired ceiling. It is a glorious picture of the blue of the majesty of God. These colors representing the majesty of God and yes, of course for us, they are a reminder of the Lord Jesus Christ. And His glory. Yes, in the tabernacle there is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I want to quickly say to you there's still a historical reality to what God was teaching Israel and God is seeking to teach us. The priest walks in out of the wilderness, out of the miserable wilderness, and he walks in to do his service in the holy place, and above him are the glorious cherubim, the blue, the purple, The blue, the purple, and the scarlet material all laid on that beautiful white linen. These things remind him that now he is in another place and in the presence of God. So this priestly work goes on. So there is the inner curtain ceiling. We read about that. And then there is the great, uh, there is the goat haired outer covering for the tabernacle. And there is all of the detail of putting it together, the grouping together of the two sets of five, the five of the set of five and the set of six, and the linking of these together in a unit so that they cover, they cover the structure. There is the ram skin on the outer, uh, on top of that, uh, goat hair ram skin, and then the porpoise skins cover. There needed to be obviously waterproofing. There needed to be. Those things that would protect, those things that are on the inside, these things cover for protection. I'm reminding you of this simple, small tent that sat in the middle of Israel, in the middle of the wilderness, and the glory of God came upon this tent. Are you hearing me? The glory of God came upon this simple unimpressive tent. Oh, no one sees the glory on the inside of it but the priests of God. All the rest of Israel has only heard of this because it's put in the law. They've never seen it with their eyes. They've never seen this picture. This is the opportunity God has now in a very simple way to remind sinful man that the glory of God is a whole different reality to the world we live in around us while the bombs fall in Ukraine, while people are dying all around us, while there is death and destruction, there is the glorious heaven above where the Lord Jesus is seated as our high priest. And there in that glorious place, all of the gathered church of God, the firstborn of God are there. It is the place to which we are running. Who wants to stay in a miserable place that's headed for destruction final, permanent destruction. We are being saved out of this world. The tent was there and every priest who went into that place looked up and there through the flickering of those candles saw the glorious colors of heaven and the glory of God displayed in scarlet, purple, and blue. These coverings provide... And then boards... The structure must, This. how do these curtains stand up? They stand up with boards and the detail of how they're put together and the amount of the structure is perfectly designed. The engineers in our church can go and analyze this. Oh, what perfect engineering is done to the design and building of this simple tabernacle. And then there is the veil between the holy of holies and the holy place. We saw last time, those, the, the, the book of Exodus describes from the most holy place out what is being built. So we saw, those, we saw those pieces of furniture that were put in there in chapter 25. You can look at your Bible. Your Bible probably has headings. Verse 25, verse 10, the Ark of the Covenant. And then the mercy seat was laid on top of that. And then there was the table of showbread. And then there was the golden lampstand. And now we've seen in chapter 26 the exact places where that furniture is to be placed in the holy place and the holy of holies. Everything has order before God and that includes the way you and I approach Him. It is not something to be done in a nonchalant disrespectful way. When we approach the Lord, we clean ourselves up. We put aside our filthiness in our flesh and our spirit. And we say to God, here I am. I'm am presenting myself to you as a living and holy sacrifice so that you might use me for your purposes until you're finished with me. So what do we remember here tonight in our time as we, as we now? So how do we apply all of this? I want to bring some things together for you. And I've given you here, first of all, three things about the... And I've, I, lost, I left one out. I'm going to add one uh, for you. The curtains and the veil created, number one, a specific place for meeting God in worship. A, a specific place. Secondly, the curtains and veil created a separated place for meeting God in worship. Thirdly, the curtains and veil created a a sacred place for meeting God in worship. And this was the one I left out. Uh, uh, The the curtains and veil uh, remind us that there is limited access to God only by being a priest and through blood sacrifice. You see, that's what we deal with. And for us, this is so important because now we come to discover that meeting in a church house, a meeting place, is where we've come to draw near together to God. But there is that, also that responsibility of us meeting with God our own selves in a specific place, a separated place, that becomes our sacred place. And I'm going to ask you again. Do you have as a believer in Jesus Christ your specific place separated place sacred place where you meet God where you spend your time with God where you open the word of God and you pray and you meet with him and you hear from God this is the reminder we have of this simple this simple structure there it sits in the wilderness The tent of meeting. The tent of meeting. This is so important for us in our lives. It also reminds us, number four there, that the glorious colors of the curtain ceiling teach us of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to tabernacle among us. Oh, the glories of purple and blue, blue the majesty and glory of God in the heavens, The purple of His kingship, His royalty, and the scarlet, His blood. Yes, we never forget in this that only through the Lord Jesus Christ can we even approach God, my dear friends. And the glorious colors of the curtain ceiling point to the glories of heaven, the heavenly presence of God. You know what the tent of meeting is in many ways? It is heaven come to earth. It's heaven come to earth. Now Israel understands not only have they been given the law of God in Exodus 20, and will they also be given all of the rest of God's laws and statutes so that they might live in a proper way and love their neighbor and love God. But oh, beyond that, my friends, the glory of God now rests. The glory of heaven has now come to earth in this simple tent. I want you to think about that. I read it to you at the end of Exodus 40. The glory of God came upon this tent and remained upon it. This is such an amazing thing. And now we're reminded also of that, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are now the dwelling place of God. Are you corrupting the dwelling place of God by the way you're living? Are you corrupting the dwelling place of God by the things you look at, by the things you think about, by the places you go, by the things you do? Is there in your life a recognition that you are now a sacred place? You are the place where God, by the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. And that you do not belong to yourself. You do not have the right to do what you want with your body any longer. That's what the world says. You must Give your body to the glory of God. You must say, I will not use my body, nor will I put in my body things that will destroy the effectiveness of my body for the use of God in this world. So the picture of the tabernacle is one of the glory of God. It's heaven on earth. What happened when the Lord Jesus came? It was heaven on earth. If you are one like me and you believe in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be another day of heaven on earth. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. The heaven on earth will come. All of heaven on earth comes in association with God's presence and His glory. And His glory, what did John say? We saw His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? The glory of God fell again by the Holy Spirit. And men and women heard in their own language the truth and the preaching of the gospel and they were saved. And the glory of the work of the Holy Spirit is now what dwells in us and among us and works in our midst. So we learn much about the glory of God, but we must always remember the sacredness and the holiness of God. Number six, the those outside curtains only saw, those outside the tabernacle or only who never went in only saw those outer coverings, not the glories of the holy place. And only those who were priests could see the glorious beauties of the curtain ceiling. Only God's people see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's why your lost friends don't understand why you why you do what you do, why you pray, why you follow Jesus, someone you cannot see. Like a man said to me one time, why do you believe in someone you can't see? Good question, isn't it? Why do you believe in someone you cannot see? Well, though we have not seen Him, we love Him. And though we do not see Him now, we rejoice with joy unspeakable. Isn't that the way Peter said it? Of course it is. But I remind you that this tent stood and those on the outside knew that only the priests went in because you see only a priest of God can enter the presence of God. And when you became a believer in Jesus Christ, you became a priest of God. No longer do you have to have someone stand on your behalf. Because we have our glorious high priest, and I'm going to be talking about this to our church in the days ahead in detail. Because it's time for us to think in detail about the most precious and wonderful, glorious, ongoing, present ministry of our Lord in heaven. He is our great high priest. And because of His priesthood, we are now priests of God. Praise God, you have access to God. You can speak to Him in the name of Jesus. You can have a relationship with... You are now a priest of God. Only the priests of God saw the glory of God. No one who's unsaved will ever see the glory of God. Nor will they recognize that the glory of God teaches us... Listen now. The glory of God teaches us about the holiness of God. So I read this verse to you from Hebrews. uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 26. I want you to see this because it is related to what we are learning about the realities of heaven while we're on the earth. And I'll read it to you. It's Hebrews 7, 26. You can look at it if you'd like to. I'll I'll go back to verse number 25 at a conclusion that Paul's making. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, that is Jesus Christ, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Please notice verse 26. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. You know what God is trying to say to us through the tabernacle, my friends? This is what the glory of God is like. This is what the glory of God... You walk in and there you see that table... There you see the showbread. There you see, and we'll see this later as it comes in the next chapter, the the laver and the washing and the altar. And then, lo and behold, you go into the holy place. And there was no speaking in the holy of holies. The priest never said a word on the day of atonement. Only the bells jingling at the bottom of his robe made the noise. And the sound of him, as I said to you two weeks ago, seven times with his finger. Should I do it? One two, three, four, five, six, seven. And the atonement is made. The holy place is there and there's always a separateness. There is a glorious holy separateness between our God and sinful human beings. So that's why, I won't turn to it, but when, when Peter was first... Called to ministry, in Luke's gospel. He's an expert in fishing. The Lord says, "Did you catch anything? Can you hear these fishermen? Heavens, no. Ba, blah, blah, ba ba. Well, why don't you go back out and drop your net again? Who is this rabbi? Okay. Okay, boys. They go back out. And the fish, the catch of fish is so great, the nets start breaking. And do you know what Peter does on that boat? He falls on his knees and he says, listen, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When you meet the Lord Jesus Christ in His holiness, you will always confess your sinfulness. And it never changes even as a believer. The more you walk with God, you know what the Holy Spirit does? Like layers, He just shows us more and more of our inner corruption from our old nature. So that we learn to live by our new nature, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, are, we live a life of confession of sin and repentance because of the holiness of God. Our dear brothers and sisters sang about the holiness of God tonight. And that's why the curtains and the veils are so significant. Number eight, only God's people enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because now you're a priest. You enter into the very presence of God. So I read to you as we finish tonight Hebrews 6.19. I have it there on the sheet for you. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. What is our hope? Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our confidence, that's what hope is. Our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. A hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. You're on earth, but you're inside the veil and the glorious presence of God in heaven. Paul said something quite profound in Colossians. He said, your life is hidden in Christ. You are now in heaven while you're still on earth. Do you think I'm doing double talk tonight? Oh Lord, it's just so hard down here. Yes, but you're also in heaven because you're united to Jesus Christ. Your life is hid with Him. And when He is revealed, you will, you will be revealed. It will be an entirely different and enormous thing. So tonight, rejoice, my friends. Your anchor is within the veil The veil means within the presence of God, within the veil. Hebrews 10, 19, 20, famous words. We all in this room know them. I know who's here tonight. Having brethren confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. You see it? How do I have confidence? How do I have confidence to enter into the place where God is? How do I have confidence to go to that separate, specific, sacred place I've made? By a new and living way which is inaugurated for us through the veil. That is His flesh. You see, the veil is the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. That's what you must do tonight in your troubles and fears and worries. That's what you must do tonight when you're afraid of tomorrow. That's what you must do tonight when you're burdened with something you seem like you cannot do. That's what you must do when you have your doubts. That's what you must do when you have your fears. You must draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance. Notice having our hearts sprinkled clean. That's the atonement word. Sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Your your conscience doesn't have to torture you anymore. When you come to know Jesus Christ, your conscience is cleaned up and you don't live in terror and torture anymore. And your body is washed with pure water. Now your body is given for the service of God. Never again to be used for sinful purposes. Praise God. Well, I didn't put it on here, but I close with this word. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and turn to it because I want to read it in its context. It is, it is what, happened, what happened at the cross. You remember these words? Most of you do. Matthew 27, 15. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Spirit and behold... The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Amen? The death of Jesus Christ ripped down the veil that separated us from God. I don't know any better way to end than that, do you? Praise God. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad that you are now a part of the people of God and you are a priest of God and you can approach God and draw near to Him in the name of Jesus? That's why why we say in the name of Jesus. All that we have, we have in the name of Jesus. It's all in His name. To the praise of the glory of His grace, I remind you tonight again, the Lord is near to the door. The Lord is near to the door. Come, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for the glorious opportunity to think about curtains and veils. For they remind us of Your unapproachable holy. The angels cover their face And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah says, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. for My eyes have seen the glory of God. Oh, may as we look at the Lord Jesus, as we read his, His words and read His life and understand His ministry, may we see His glory and may we fall like Peter and say, Depart from me, I am a sinful man. Or as John on the island saw the glory of the Lord Jesus, resurrected, ascended, king, priest, he fell as dead. Overwhelm us with your glory so that we might be useful for your purposes until Jesus comes. Bless all my friends who are here tonight and listening. May their lives be changed because they draw near to God and experience the glory of God through salvation in Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you. Say hello to somebody. If, you're, if you don't know everybody here, some of you might know everybody, introduce yourself. Have a great week and Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday. Have a great day. God bless you.